Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, folks, here we go. Netflix, Marvel's uh, Daredevil, Season 2, Episode 3, New York's Finest. Here it comes. Up on the roof, guys. Everything's been leading up to this discussion. Up on the roof. So... One of the many reasons I love this season and, and was excited for it, even before it started and I knew the Punisher was coming in is the Punisher is such an important character to have, especially for people like me who gets annoyed with the amount of innocent lives lost because of the self-righteousness of, of superheroes never killing a bad guy if they don't have a choice because of the somewhat selfish desire to preserve their own soul, whether on this earth or in the next world. And of course, Daredevil with the Catholicism and the constant religious talk is always talking about this. And, and you know, he, he, he's put bad guys basically paralyzed before, won't kill them, apparently has succeeded in, in not actually, you know, killing someone. Although, you know, if you're paralyzed and die two years later. And it's not that I'm, you know, all about killing bad guys like they deserve it and, and or that's the only way that we can take care of them. Um, or take care of the situation. Problem is just that the moral discussion around it in comic book shows, television, uh, I should say comic books, comic book TV, and comic book movies, the discussion 95% of the time doesn't really address the important parts of the issue. And the important part of the issue is, you know, the utilitarian battle versus morality, but also the difference between ethics and morals, which is never discussed, which is extremely important in Western philosophy. And I won't go too much into the definition here because we could do an entire series of podcasts and that maybe I will at some point. But ethics has more to do with society and, um, you know, uh, sort of the the day-to-day practicality of how to treat other people, good governance, what does security mean, what does safety mean, what does freedom mean, all all these very important things, which also bleeds into morals. Here's Frank and and Matt. Um, But... uh, Morals is more having to do with God or things of, of of nature beyond just day-to-day life in the sense of what is right and wrong, or more correctly in the Christian tradition, what is good with a capital G and bad with a capital B. Something could be ethically right. Um, oh, the subtitles are not on. Here we go. With the amazing intro music. Um, meaning, you could do something that is ethically uh, wrong and morally right, but you could also do something that is morally right and ethically wrong, 
um, in any various combination, depending on how much society is mirroring, you know, God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven in in the West, essentially. That's always been my read on it. Um, I will say, having gone to, you know, through undergrad and grad school studying heavy philosophy and religion from all over the world, the debate about ethics and morals can go on forever. uh, You you could argue that they're the same, that neither of them exist. Um, If we deny God, is, is morality even a thing? Um, and you know, the sort of Taoist Buddhist themes I talk about in, in Star Wars all the time, uh, in the East, there's not a conflict between morality and ethics because there isn't a gap, you know, there, there, there isn't a, a heaven and an earth in the way that there is in the West and Western religions. It's just people and the universe and figuring out the best way to live with each other. And so there's no sense of anything being objectively right or objectively wrong because, it's purely utilitarian in the sense of, of course, we want to do the thing that's the best for the most people and, you know, harms the least. And so if we kill one man to save a billion on the surface, you'd say a system where ethics and morals are, are linked um, or are the same as I'm describing in sort of a uh, transcendent way. Um, or I say non-transcendent way, an earth, an earth based way. Uh, um, you'd say, OK, well, of course, we would kill a, a billion um, I'm sorry, we would kill one to save a million, or save a billion, or save a thousand. Of course, then you start to asking the questions, okay, well, how do we know those people are going to be saved? What does it mean? If they don't die here, will, be, will this actually trigger another terrorist attack? Like, if we kill a terrorist, but then that leads to, you know, 5,000 new terrorists? Have, like, now both the moral equation and the practical equation are being thrown into flux. And that is the, the argument of people who, you know, who support this, the notion practiced from everyone from superman to batman to daredevil to captain america how much they beat up bad guys take the law into their own hands in the end killing uh, you know we don't know where that is going to lead we don't know if it's even going to accomplish what we're going to accomplish so the two arguments are even uh, is, is one we can't be sure whether whether killing a bad guy or killing a bunch of bad guys is going to save the people that we think it's going to save we don't know what the true ends are and we never will none of us won't live nearly long enough to know how how, how that will go um, but the second, which is more interesting uh, in terms of the discussion I'm going to be having here, has to do with what um, uh, philosophers post-World War II, like Hannah Arendt, talked about the moral landscape. And if you look at morality, like you look at our planet with mountains and trees and, and lakes and so forth, when you commit a bad action, it's actually destroying the very fabric of morality around you. Around you. So the genocide... Pr- pr- perpetuated by the Nazis and, and with the Armenian genocide and in Turkey and all, you know, the many, many horrible things people have done over the centuries and the millennia, it's not just about the people that die, as horrifying as it is, but it's the way in which it, it warps the world, almost the, the way, uh, you know, gravity, um, uh, extreme gravitational bodies like stars and black holes warp, um, warp everything around it, and that can't really be taken back. Like, once genocide was conceived, that idea is out there, you know? And we can now try and prevent it, but it's in the lexicon of something that has happened, so there's precedent for it, like legal precedents, like these guys are dealing with in their law firm all the time. So there's precedent for genocide. So the genocide's wrong on its own. It's wrong because of all the people that are, are dead. It's horrifying just from a visceral standpoint to see everyone get murdered, how they were murdered, the you know, the mass graves, the gas chambers, and so forth. Again, talking about World War II. 
so you see the human loss, <clears throat> but you also see the distortion of morality going forward um, in our universe right now. You know, it's on Earth. Maybe it'll be among the stars someday, but right now it's right here. And so the, the next question is, well, can we separate it? Can we separate the, the horrifying human cost of World War II, of things like World War II and, and, the, and the Holocaust, um, f- can we, can we separate the human cost from the moral cost? And that is essentially why humans invented religion. If you want to look at the good, potentially good side of religion is we had to create a higher being like God or a higher structure like the Tao to, uh, you know, to guide us beyond just our daily inst- animalistic instincts and decisions. And that's the only thing that really separates us from the beast is whether you want it laws, you know, secular laws or religious laws or, you know, or, or, or ethics and morals. As I've been saying, that's, that's the only thing that separates us from the beasts and the people who are constantly, you know, trying to like daredevil with the Punisher, but also people with daredevil's vigilante justice, even if he doesn't kill them. He's really hurting these people. He's going outside the law. And sometimes he makes it hard for the law to operate even though he thinks he's helping them you know so whether it's karen and foggy giving matt our time or matt's amazing discussion up here with frank it's all about okay so you kill a couple bad guys today but now the bar is lower for death and this is just going to lead to more and more and more death and we're warping the fabric of the world and we're going back to being beasts where beasts kill when they feel they need to kill whether it's hunger or self-defense or just you know you know they've got rabies or whatever you know and nature's forcing them to kill whatever it is once you start killing and murdering or really hurting physically or mentally at all we are now going back to to being like the beasts again and that is the main reason the punisher is such an important character in, in all of comic books and storytelling is here is a guy who says I'm purely utilitarian, I'm only killing bad guys, and the system can't handle them, and as we see over and over again in all the comic books, uh, DC, Marvel, and otherwise, the co- at various times the cops are corrupt, the FBI is corrupt, the DA is corrupt, <clears throat> the, the federal government is corrupt, the Shadow World government, there's the Shadow World government, you know, like in, uh, in, in the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, with the, the League of Shadows, League of Assassins, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and these things, you know, like and this is why in some ways um i'll just finish on the punisher is you know what let me save the on the punisher so we get back with frank on the roof um up here comes rosario dawson claire temple yeah um is that uh um the character of the punisher forces us to to deal with those of us who aren't like you know all, all bad guys deserve justice as if that's even possible but when you just start killing, then killing becomes a it becomes too easy for everybody, even if you're mostly or only killing bad guys, or think you're mostly only killing bad guys. Now, in some ways, that's why the Dark Knight movie and just that tale between Batman and the Joker is, in some ways, unmatched and may always be unmatched. That pairing from the comic books in general, but also specifically the movie The Dark Knight, and why that's a lot of people's favorite or thinks the best comic book movie, The Dark Knight, is because the Joker is specifically born out of the success that Batman and Batman's legacy is having in stopping low-level crime. So low-level crime, low-level crime then leads to higher-level crime, and so the good guys adapt. 
but so the next level after high level crime is just pure sheer nihilism because even the highest level highest level criminals especially the highest level criminals are acting from extreme uh points of rationality i mean what makes wilson fisk character as the daredevil and why you know lex luther so such a famous villain uh and uh and superman and you know the sort of white collar bad guys are always you know, using the law and human instincts and the negative side, usually human instincts to, to, to gain power and gain money, um, and gain strength and, and all of those things, but they are acting within a certain, um, set of assumptions and principles about how the world works. And, you know, that's what series like Daredevil is having us question is, is the world working the way we think it should work? It, or is in is it possible for the world to be much better than it is and actually and actually works? We don't have to kill bad guys, so everyone does get justice, and they go behind bars if they deserve it, or they don't go to behind bars if they don't deserve it. Is that, is that world even possible? If that world is not possible, that leaves very smart and powerful good guys like Batman and Daredevil in a very tough position about how they should be dealing with things. But the Joker is the next step beyond that, because the Joker is just a rabid dog chasing cars, as he says. He just wants to see the world burn, as Alfred keeps trying to tell Batman he can't be stopped in the traditional sense because there's no goal that he has that aligns either aligned positively or negatively as the you know a mirror or or reverse of our own goals like you know like we think murder is bad and but he thinks murder is good because it's giving him power like the joker is so beyond it's not that he's above the law, it's just, or, or above humanity and morality, and doesn't apply to him. It's just that his brain doesn't even work that way. He just wants chaos. And, you know, we see what the chaos of the Joker leads to in, um, uh, in The Dark Knight, and the fact that The Dark Knight never really answers the question, now it tries to get all moralizing in Dark Knight Rises, where, you know, the cops are the good guys again, and, you know, it's sort of the 99% gone too far, you know, killing the rich people, and we need to have laws and morality, and Batman becomes more guys. I really like The Dark Knight Rises, and I've done commentary on it. Um, uh, I like it way more than most people, and I like it way more than I used to, but undeniably, The Dark Knight leaves us, uh, even if you only see the movie, The Dark Knight with the question of, well, what if the Batman had killed the Joker all the million times that he could have? Because the Joker is out there warping the moral landscape because it's fun. It's is horrifying as the Nazis were. And again, you know, I was talking about Wilson Fisk and Lex Luthor. Obviously, you know, Hitler and the Nazis were on a whole other level in terms of what, uh, you know, crime from the top, if you will. Um, I mean, they were technically a government, but they were just thugs with way too much power. Um, and horribleness in their in their hearts or, or lack thereof, but again they were operating with using military technology, using scientific technology. They had ideological goals, uh, you know, rational or, or rational that they may be in real life. In their minds, they had goals, they had aims. Joker has no goals and no aims, and that's why Kilgrave I think is is so spectacular. And, and Jessica Jones is that the only thing that he does want for sure um, is Jessica Jones, but he doesn't know how he wants her or why he wants her and everything else is just him enjoying the pain and misery around him and if he can do that to torture her to come to him somehow then that's like the ultimate plan 
you know, Kenobi doesn't realize that even if Jessica Jones comes to him voluntarily or, you know, via a stronger form of mind control, he'll never be satisfied because he's just totally psychotic and he enjoys watches, watching the world burn as well. But, you know, Kilgrave at least thinks that he has a notion of romance and love is, is horrifying and demonic and twisted and demented as it is. The Joker has nothing. He, you know, the Joker is enjoying, if, let's put it this way, if the Joker were watching the events here in Daredevil Season 2, what we've seen and what we're going to see, he would just be laughing, watching the good guys fight against other good guys. I mean, that's exactly what Joker tries to do, is, is turn the good guys against the good guys, and the bad guys against the bad guys, and everybody against each other, because it's fun, and it's chaotic, and it's unpredictable, and all of those, in all those things. And, you know, I've caught... I, I've called the, the, the Joker nihilistic, um, meaning, you know, the, the sort of deep philosophical belief that there's no meaning to the world. Um, but unlike existentialism, nihilism also postulates, in some forms at least, that you, we can't even give meaning to the world. So, you know, extreme existentialism says there is no inherent meaning, there's no God, there's no morality, there's no ethics, but we can give those things to ourselves and to others. We can create meaning for ourselves and we can create meaning for our societies. Depends which philosopher and philosophy you want to follow, but that is in there inherently. Nihilism stops after saying there's no meaning, but the Joker is actually a step beyond nihilistic. The more I think about it, in the sense of he wants to take away meaning from other people, and he almost, you know, in, in a in an inversely scientific way, that's right, unscientific, prove to everybody how meaningless, chaotic, and pointless existence is. Now, the Joker, you know, as I talked about in that Batman, A Dark Knight Rises, uh, or the Dark Knight commentary by Buddy Aaron a few years back, you know, if you take away meaning, take away purpose, um, and take away any sort of, you know, North Star to follow, you know, uh, um, or, or guiding light or whatever, you take away everything, then all there is is pleasure and pain. And now you're an animal again, right? Now for the for the Joker, he specifically gets pleasure out of pain of himself and everybody else. It's very possible you can be nihilistic, and there are many of these people who don't actually go around hurting other people because it's not in their best interest, because that would actually put them behind bars or get them killed, which is not pleasurable to them, but they still do live their lives in a nihilistic way of just whatever feels good in the moment. And I think that describes probably the, the bulk of, of people who we consider like not good people. They're not actually trying to create crime, but don't even try and explain climate change or you know third world poverty to them, because that has no effect on, on you know the way they feel moment to moment, and so why would why would they care? Even good people often don't care um, or don't want to hear about those types of issues. So here we go. Let's jump back in here because that's going to be. An, I just wanted to set the stage with the philosophical debate here. Right he says, I believe it's not my call and it's not yours. Right. Somebody asked you to put that on a cost. Right. So Frank's saying no one told you to put on Daredevil costume. We're doing the same thing. I'm just taking care of the problem. You're just you're just gonna. Right, you, I think you're a man who can't finish the job. That, that's, that's the whole point. He thinks Daredevil's just pushing the problem forward. Put the bad guys behind bars so they come out again. And we see this in Daredevil Season 3, which I'm not going to say anything about, guys, but we know you know, if, like, that Wilson Fisk was going to be the bad guy again in Season 3. And based on the events of this season, we know he's getting out of prison, Wilson Fisk. Some way, somehow, he's going to be back out there being Kingpin again. And 
<clears throat> Bernthal's argument on that point would be, well, if you had just killed the fucking guy, we wouldn't have to deal with it. You just push the problem forward and many more innocent people are going to die. And I, I, I sympathize with that, I think, a lot more than most watchers of these. I'm just more comfortable th- thinking about th- those sorts of issues. Um, I'm not comfortable with, with, with death ever. Uh-oh. Um, but that's more of an instinctive thing for me and not wanting to see any being suffer. Um, and that's why I'm always saying, you know, th- there's never like torture. There's never any excuse for, especially because we know scientifically it almost never gives us the results we want. Cause people say anything for torture to stop. So torture is, is way less justifiable than like what, uh, what, what Frank has done in my opinion. And he, and just like John, the John Wick movies, you know, I, I think, the fact that John Wick is just constantly one-shotting people in the head, he never wants them to suffer, but he, that he just thinks his form of murderous vigilante justice, like the Punisher, uh, is achieve, achieving utilitarian ends by by taking off, out these bad elements. So, another question is, okay, well, what if nobody knew what the Punisher was doing? Like, let's say he had a superpower where he could murder bad guys, but as soon as he murdered those bad guys using some form of Kilgrave mind control or Doctor Strange magic, as soon as those bad guys died, just follow me on this thought experiment, as soon as those bad guys died, then their memories would also be erased from the Earth. So you're eliminating murderers, rapists, etc., and people don't know that you're doing it, because the memory's been erased, and so the you know the the sort of mur- the murderous vibration, moral vibrations that come out of the act, theoretically wouldn't hit anybody else, right? And so, if you asked Frank, I think Frank Castle would say, "Yeah, I would take that. I would love if no one had to even know." He, you know, although he is about sending messages to certain bad guys, so it wouldn't work. And and Frank's not that deep of a thinker, but the notion is, F- Frank's not really enjoying the killing, um, in sort of the traditional sense of a murderer. He does think he's accomplishing something. But he's not thinking far enough down the road, obviously, to see the, the repercussions of it. And Daredevil has to deal with this in season three with, with Fisk, you know, with a guy who buys everything and owns everything and can keep getting out of prison and stuff. And this is what I say in DC, you know, the DC villains especially keep going to prison and breaking out. Of course, the Marvel villains, we get this as well. Um, but, uh, y- y- you know, does that justify then killing them so we don't have to take up the space in the prison that they'll inevitably leave? Now, in real life, most mass, mass murderers don't get away. In real life, there are bad cops and bad FBI agents, but the level of corruption isn't nearly, never reaches a, the, quite to the extent that we ever see in these hypothetical situations. So, you know, well, there are congenital problems in, in law enforcement in our society, obviously, in terms of race and discrimination and and stuff like that. It, it's it's rarely, a, if ever, a giant conspiracy the way we see in these hypothetical scenarios. So we're already being thrown in a loop in these comic book scenarios with stuff that just never really happens. Also, can never really have anyone like Batman or Daredevil survive long enough to do what they do where they non-violently take down. Punisher is the most realistic good guy, both in terms of... Uh, uh, 
a good guy in quotes you know realistic comic book good guy because in the sense that most people are you know would agree that if you have a chance to kill a rapist to stop the raping of, of 50 young girls you should absolutely do it without us thinking through everything else that that means especially if you knew that that rapist let's say wasn't uh, was had connections high up in law enforcement and there was a good chance and this is where it gets fo- where it gets foggy so to speak if we knew the rapist was going to get out ahead of time does that change your equation so I put a in your hand i say look you can shoot this rapist now and stop 50 rapes of, of young girls is this where the okay so really quickly the, the amazing fight is on this uh is is later in this is episode obviously so i give you the gun you say kill the rapist you say no i don't kill the rapist i want to try and put him behind bars okay well what if i tell you that guaranteed in six months he'll be out doing it again and what if i also tell you there's guarantee that he can never stay behind bars let's give him just straight basic superpower of you know being able to you know um dematerialize and remit like you can just teleport himself so you've got a teleporting rapist right so you can go anywhere at any point rape whoever he wants you put him behind bars go he goes through the charade and then he gets out starts rape people but you could kill him with with the with the silver bullet would you then the problem is none of us are really equipped and, and thankfully are put in such a situation but you have to ask yourself these crazy hypotheticals because since we never see the end of all ends and we don't know what the world or universe is going to look like if it's even around a hundred years, a thousand years, a million years from now, we can't see all ends. Only God can. So this goes back to the religious argument for, you know, not killing because it's, we don't know what it's going to lead to. But in this case, I'm giving you the, the idealized scenario of you can eliminate this person from the face of the earth. And let me even add another, uh, carrot here, which is not only can you stop this rapist for good and you have to kill him to stop him for good. or He's going to keep, keep, keep raping but it won't affect you and nobody will ever know that it happened then is it morally permissible or allowable or necessary or does it still not change the equation and i think the thing is we've i think the the bigger problem is we have dehumanized human beings for so long in so many ways other than dying that i think where i disagree with people is i just don't see death as the ultimate Worst thing, torture, hunger, uh, starvation, thirst, um, uh, you know, um, suffering, incredible amounts of pain every waking moment, seeing your children, you know, killed or raped in front of you. There's so many worse things than just being killed, which doesn't doesn't change the equation in terms of having to confront when is killing okay, if it's ever okay. But we also need to realize that there are a lot of people because of massive debt, mental illness, and all sorts of... uh, horrible structures in our country and elsewhere and throughout time are, are suffering and aren't really living. They don't really have a chance to live because of their economic circumstances, their, you know, their emotional problems, you know, family abuse, whatever. And, you know, I mean, the fact that women, you know, continue throughout all of human history of being inferior, treated inferior to men in pretty much all societies in all times. And this, and the, 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 um, the, the hyper-masculine structure still being in place and, you know, um, to the point where even women act against their own interests because of how the, they're, they're taught and how society operates around them. I mean, there's so many forms of oppression that aren't just the threat of, of killing. There's no, right. He says there's, Frank says there's no good filth that I, that I put down there. They're all, they're all horrible stinks and it smells like shit and i can't get the stink out of my nose i think this world needs men needs to make the hard call yep right yep 
there it is. That's he just says it all. It took me twenty five minutes. Frank says you you hit them, they get right back up. I hit them, they stay down. And I really <clears throat> each time I rewatch Daredevil season two, and then watching the Punisher, um, I'm definitely going to rewatch the Punisher. Is we need to keep having these arguments. It's not enough to just beat up bad guys because, by the way. The other thing that comic book fans don't want to admit to themselves is the pleasure they get day after day, month after month, year after year of watching bad guys get beat up on all media, on the page, on the small screen, on the big screen, beating up bad guys, making them suffer and hurt to a certain degree, and then putting them behind bars. We are, you know, getting very scary, you know, animalistic pleasure out of all of this. And so how far is that from just killing the bad guys? Like, you know, if, if I don't, if I don't like actually watching, you know, bad guys get beat up, I'd rather them just get locked up or, or killed if they're that horrible, you know? Like, does that make me such a monster? Because I, I don't want to torture anybody, but we also have to do the most good for the most people. Again, guys, I'm not saying, I'm just trying to represent as many views as possible here. I'm still very, I want to make it clear, I'm very much not on the side of Frank Castle. And I think the Punisher series realized that debate in him having it within himself in a way that was even way better than was I thought. Pro- well, let me put it this way: it realized it better than it was set up here. I thought it was set up here, and it. But it, even more importantly, and more impressively, it was realized in a way I didn't think could be possible in any type of series, comic book or another. And I think the Punisher series, in in terms of arguing for the rational reason not to murder people, even though you know those people are murderers, or rapists, or whatever. Um, it makes that argument as strong as you are going to get um, w- without getting religious, essentially. I, because from a utilitarian standpoint, the equation will always be there. And, you know, if I, and so if you can give me a gun to kill Hitler, I probably would kill Hitler. But I also need to admit that I don't know where that would leave me and where that would leave the moral landscape. Uh, I think the main problem with, with Daredevil's... Uh, uh, with, with the Daredevil series and character is it's very selfish about his own soul that he's thinking about. He should be thinking about not killing because of the way it affects the moral landscape for everybody, not just his own soul with God. Now, he is a religious man, obviously, even though he questions his faith constantly. Um, but guilt is not the pur- only the purview of, of religious people. I mean, that guilt has been around since before Christianity was around, Christianity and Judaism have just, you know, titrated uh, guilt into a, a fine science. But there are plenty of very moral societies that have been around for thousands of years around around the world that are able to enforce similar morals without the sense of, of guilt. And usually that's where rituals come in. And some of those rituals are horrible, like human sacrifice. But, you know, human sacrifice was introduced in certain societies as a way of expunging all of that murderous guilt into a controlled format. And again, I'm not defending human sacrifice. I'm just telling you, you know, practically why it came into being, in my opinion, was all of these arguments for and against murdering that we've been seeing in this episode and through these series you know, in, 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 Certain societies are just funneled into into uh, controlled rituals, which of course solves nothing because the societies still have tons of murder and abuse and domination and oppression. But in their own minds, um, you know th- th- that's a way of dealing with that particular human problem. But the biggest issue, guys, here on top of everything, uh, you know that 
that no series can answer and is this thing that we will be arguing as long as we are human beings that, that are recognizable is the real problem is we are animals. The real problem is we can create God, we can create laws, we can create governments, we can create a socialist utopia, we can think we're helping everyone, but until we as people actually evolve, and this might actually require biological um, evolution because it, it's, it's just built in our brains to be violent and oppressive, unfortunately, especially men um, and certain personality types. This is an important scene here where Foggy, I think the Foggy uh, de, um, escalates the situation, gets Claire's trust. Yeah. Hey, asshole. Oh, this is great. He's pulling, he's doing legal jujitsu on this guy. This is great. You got face tattoos, friend. Yeah, so guys, we will return, because I want to talk a little bit about this episode. We will return to the um, this discussion a lot. That's part of why I'm doing Daredevil Season 2 in particular, <clears throat> and we'll probably do The Punisher, is that I think the big the bigger issue is, is, the, is that us as physical beings, we are so much closer to animals than we are to any sort of like higher transcendent angelic creature, no matter how much we might want to, how much we create religions or governments to, you know, to put us in the right direction. When we are born, we are, we are just hungry, angry animals. And now I don't believe people are born evil either, but I don't believe they're born good with a capital G that we're just we're just primates with large brains and so that's really the thing and that's where you know plato's philosophy comes in is the only way to really solve the future to correct the past solve the future is to completely change everything in terms of education in particular from the moment we are born until the moment we die and that the perfect republic as is if we don't evolve into some higher creatures has to involve the education of every single person people need to be immediately free um uh like have free will um, from birth, but they also need to be free from starvation and things that will compromise, you know, choices that they might make. Um, no one can be ab- above anyone else. Everyone has to be directed by their actions. You know, very basic ethical things. Um, uh, they're involved in both, uh, I would say, both ethics and morals, but directly ethics in terms of everyday stuff. Um, but we also need to be taught about, you know, things like empathy, <laughs> like less science and math, as much as important, science and math is important and great, uh, and more, you know, empathy, more um, art, um, you know, and even basic things like you are actually the one, when you hurt someone even a little bit emotionally, you are actually the one getting hurt. Um, so that's the selfish appeal. And then the utilitarian appeal of, well, then that person's going to go hurt other people. So now, you know, now the hurting is spreading out and the moral landscaping is warping as I was talking about. And so, you know, now you've actually now hurt thousands of people, you know, but that's still playing on selfish feelings like guilt, um, and so forth. And so the question is, is there a way to educate, uh, uh, to positively educate empathy, um, you know, as not just uh, this is good for you, so you should practice it, but something that is actually n- necessary to even basic human functioning. It's amazing we've gotten. I mean, watching this scene up here in the rooftop, it's amazing we've even gotten this far as as a species. Um, you know, the, the way that even the the best seeming people will be turned into animals in certain situations. Oh, is this the example? He like brings an example of a really horrible 
human being to try and get Daredevil to kill someone. This is it. Yep. Yep. This is the Frank making an example. I didn't even know his name. Mm-hmm. The order came from on high. What order is? And there's Grotto. You don't understand these animals. <laughs> Daredevil's giving him legal advice, basically, while he's tied up and Grotto's getting his ass beat. He wants Daredevil to hear it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He wanted Daredevil to, to hear. This guy is an active murderer and just confessed to it. Now what do you want to do with him? Oh, uh, here comes the old lady. And this is where, this is this is it. This is the Punisher's test. What did you do? She killed, he killed the old lady. She wasn't supposed to be in the house. She started screaming. I begged her to stop. What did you do? Uh, swear to me. She saw my face. I had no choice. So he looked her in the old lady in the face and murdered her. Old lady left a husband, dead man, wife, and kids. Yeah. Give him the gun. Give him the gun. It's, it's like it's like Batman trying to decide to kill his parents' killers or not. Yeah. I mean, this isn't even a horrible example. Of this murder. You know, if this if if he if Frank brought a guy and the guy admitted to like raping dozens of of little girls and then give Daredevil the gun. But Daredevil doesn't let himself think that far. He agrees with 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 Frank that past a certain point you are um, not not really forgivable and there's no coming back. Whether it's one murder or twenty, uh, you know. And so they all need to take care of this. The difference is Daredevil wants to give the system a chance to 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 process those people. Of course, we also haven't talked about the fact that New York doesn't, you know, use the death penalty a ton, I don't think. Um, and so if you're Daredevil in Texas, where you know that even an alleged murderer who's like 15 years old could get the death penalty because they're, they're f- fucked up Texan legal system or Florida or whatever. So you do the Daredevil thing and say, I'm not going to kill them. Let, well, what, you're going to let justice then kill them behind bars in six months before they might even be proved innocent or guilty in an appropriate way, even being, especially being a lawyer. And, you know, maybe law isn't what people are tuning in, but Matt Murdock is a lawyer, and his best friend Foggy is a lawyer, and they don't really, in any of the series, have an extensive, like, debate on whether the law as is, is problematic to the point of needing to do Frank-level justice. It has to be the cops are all, you know, are all in on it, or the FBI is all in on it, but what if not? What if the cops and FBI aren't that bad, but the system is just so big and complicated that bad guys are going to slip through the cracks and get away with stuff, and we can take care of it, and we can take care of it? That's the question they don't really talk about. You know, they create characters like Wilson Fisk that haven't really existed in 100 years, you know, who can run a city from a hotel room with a snap of their fingers, and that's why I think this form of escapism is kind of dangerous because it's playing on our emotion in both ways. It's playing our emotion to, you know, want the good guys to beat the bad guys up. But it's also playing on our emotion that, you know, but by saying, but, 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 by mutualizing or equalizing these various types of killing, it makes it very hard as a watcher to say, maybe Frank is right one out of 10 times. It, you know, Oh, here we go, baby. All right. Here's the final fight. He shoots him in the chest. Yep. 
here, here it comes punching the shit out of this guy. Not, this is Daredevil's version of nonviolence, of course. Just punching you in the face over and over again. And like in the previous episode, it also just adds a great t- uh, type of staging they can use over and over again because. For both moral and practical reason, Matt is constantly having to try and stop both the Punisher and Elektra from killing bad guys who he doesn't want to protect, but he doesn't want them murdered. Now, in Elektra's case, it is personal. Frank, you know, I mean, he does come to feel something for this guy, actually fairly quickly, um, um, does Matt Murdock. Not like Elektra, obviously. And so there is a personal imperative there. You know, he doesn't want Elektra to keep losing her soul. Which, is, which he doesn't realize already is gone. But by just, whether it's Arrow or Daredevil or whatever, over and over again, just talking about, it's like, you know in, in romantic relationships, when things start going not great and you start talking about your relationship and then most of your conversations end up being the conversations about the relationship instead of just having normal human conversations, that's when you know things are bad. When, when, when you start having more talk about your relationship than actually having the relationship, things are going bad. And I think that's the biggest, that's the big problem with all this, you know, don't kill, kill, don't kill, kill, don't kill talk and all comic book properties um, is that we lose sight of the fact that people are suffering while we're having these, you know, highfalutin um, uh, debates and, you know, we're losing track of the actual calculus of how uh, of the people that we could save. Meaning, part of that platonic education I'm talking about is not needing something to ever be always right or always wrong. Oh, here comes Frank to start murdering the bikers. One batch, two batch. Oh, is that the... Pending them. Is that this kid song that we learn about in the next one? In, in the Punisher series? So I guess what I'm getting to here is we need to <clears throat> evolve to a point where we can trust ourselves and others to make good decisions based completely on circumstance and never have to get to a point where we say something is always right or always wrong the way Kant did. It's the opposite of Kant. Khan thinks the moral imperative means we, that the only way we can survive as a people is by making something always right or always wrong. You know, the Taoist way that I follow is the, the, really the opposite of that, which is every moment in this universe is unique and needs to be treated as such. Also, of course, there's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle of the observer and the observed, which is, you know, it, it, if, if we step between two people to try and determine who's right, who's wrong, who needs to be punished, who needs to be saved. Well, now we're in that equation as well. You know, we're the, we're the observing force that is now moving those things around in new directions. And that is something that the superheroes do have to deal with in the best properties. And, and is certainly one of the many good things to come out of all this. Um, as we get into this amazing final battle where I, I don't know, I can't really do a play by play. It's just this crazy th- I mean, it looks like a one shot, you know, it's not, but it looks like a five minute long daredevil brawl one shot. That's some of the best, you know, this was what I think really, I think people being really impressed with how non superhero-y Jessica Jones and Luke Cage season ones were relatable and everyday those characters were combined with just the all-star type cast and Daredevil. But then we see these fight fireworks, you know, Luke and Jessica, it's easy to not easy, but you know, they, because they're like, like almost humorously strong, 
you can you can almost make it campy and funny the way Jessica Jones punches someone across the room or like you know she jumps a thousand feet but we don't actually see it or Luke you just shoot him with a million bullets you know it, it's supposed to be almost funny in a way the the violence but obviously the themes in Luke and Jessica Jones are extremely serious but the violence can be funny Daredevil is brutal violence and so we had to see if they could pull this off on television and I really think between this season and the Defenders they they pulled off you know movie level action in my opinion um, but it's clear that they after Iron Fist won and, and the Defenders didn't do as well in the press or with the fans as they hoped they certainly pulled, had to pull back or felt like they had to pull back on the budget and now they're claiming they're canceling this is the other thing is you know they've been announcing that the Defenders isn't coming back that Iron Fist isn't coming back now they've said Luke Cage isn't coming back they have said Jessica Jones is coming back we know Daredevil they had said for a long time 3 would be the final one I think they're just waiting to get it on the Disney streaming service because they need to get out of their contracts with, with Netflix ASAP and so they're not going to keep announcing new shows but you know, there was there was a high point after the first two Daredevil seasons and JJ one and Luke Cage one, where it seemed like they were they were transcending the limitations of this format, um, both in terms of the on screen action, the more adult nature of it. You know, these amazing extended fights. You know, that are better than most of what you see in movie like, like Mission Impossible movies and stuff. I mean, the ch- the, this is just incredible. So if, if you are if you are just listening to my commentary, then I'll keep talking. And if you're watching, feel free to turn me down or off and just enjoy this glorious fight for a few minutes here um, in this very yellowy hallway to contrast with the, with the dark red of the uniform and the blood, of course. Um, by the way, I haven't commented on the shade of, of red that they use the Daredevil costume in, in a lot of the comics and, of course, here is not only much more realistic and less distracting than the bright red of the old school comics, you know, but it, it, it's, it's almost the exact shade of, uh, of blood when it starts to, uh, to oxidize. Um, and so the fact that, you, you, you know, you don't know what's the blood and what suit and what's part of his suit is you know where the introduction music uh the the theme music part comes in where we see the uniform basically being born out of blood but um it's a great episode i know i brought up a ton of themes i hope you guys stay with me i'm doing these ones a little bit slower than i have in the past because you know it's the star wars rebels episode takes like 20 minutes these are a lot of work uh especially with so much going on and i want to set up the big themes before electra enters into the show and and starts throwing and everything starts going even more to shit um but yeah so anyway so the notion is we need to evolve and grow to where you can step into a situation like this objectively overhead and say all right here are all the possibilities and there's actually an endless number of of things that could go right wrong or in the middle based on our choices but we need to trust in ourselves and others education and empathy to make that choice right and i guess the final thought i'll in this philosophy podcast the final thought i will give for now as as this fight continues to be amazing is is it you have to ask yourself guys is it possible that being the best human being possible means mercilessly and quickly but definitively killing not necessarily yourself but as a society killing certain people so essentially like we eliminate death penalty for almost everything. We create a socialist utopia. Everyone's fed, you know, everyone's born equal. 
uh, you know, if you get caught for small drug offenses, you won't get a huge, you know, like, like let's fix the entire legal system, fix our entire societal economic structure. Oh, the chain, baby. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Basically fix everything so that it's perfect, but we still have murders and rapists. And we've determined that we can identify the 5% of the worst murders and rapists. And by killing them, we can reduce crime by 99%. I don't know if there's an answer to that question, but we need to be able to get to a point in our society where we can talk about those types of questions and whether there are answers to those questions and about the, about the moral landscape. And, and Karen, as a character here, as we come to a close, all I'll say about season three is Deborah Ann Wall is, I, I think, almost award-worthy. Uh, and and after, after briefly not liking her and trashing her a bit on previous podcasts, I know Karen grows on me more and more, and she's unbelievable in Daredevil season three, guys. I'll just say that. Um, but, you know, she is the absolute epitome of a person whose life has been warped by the horrible moral landscape around her. And she keeps stumbling into horrible situations where people are dying around her, even if it's not her fault. But because uh, she doesn't have a support system, even though she's a good person deep down, society has already failed her. Oh, there's there's a Punisher skull. Beautiful. Society has already failed people like her. And so how can we expect her to ever, in, in any capacity, act rationally and be a good person so oh man that was great i hope you guys enjoyed that um commentary that was very much not talking about the amazingness that was going on on screen um thank you so much for joining me i will be uh jumping soon to let's see what is the episode four i think the next episode is the first elodie young episode oh my god uh penny and dime uh oh yeah penny and dime and Right, so that's when Karen starts investigating, and I think that's where Electric first starts coming in to the the, uh, the scene. But final thought just about the series is, and I think this is the only of the, uh, the, the Daredevil is the only uh, character of the four main ones that really needs those thirteen full thirteen episodes. And I think Daredevil, Daredevil season two is the only season in which that is proven definitively to be the case because you needed the three acts across the whole season of introduction of Frank and then the trial and what goes on in jail and then you introduce Elektra as well in that middle act and then leading into the hand it's really the story of two full seasons it's it's why they this is really a defender's level um, undertaking here um, and I think they need every minute of, of the episodes in this season but we will see as we go on thank you so much for joining me I've been the Bizzle you have been awesome as always especially this one listening to my philosophical blathering um, um, and again, no, I don't support killing bad guys. I just support having honest discussion about morality and ethics in fiction and in the real world. Have wonderful days and nights, y'all. May the force be with you. And for now, the Bizzlecast is out.